You're listening to the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast, hosted by me, Kyle Langan, the founder of HamptonsToHollywood.com. Whenever I meet someone in LA who has made the literal Hamptons to Hollywood journey and moved from one locale to the other, just like I did eight years ago, it's exciting. And our guest today did just that. I sat down with Marley Ficalora, a Montauk native who is the founder of the Produce Section Challenge, which is a wellness movement he began to show the world that eating healthily doesn't have to be expensive. Marley has never eaten meat and has seen firsthand the damage that certain foods can cause, but also at how beneficial healthy foods can be to our minds and bodies. Marley and I talked about his journey to LA from the Hamptons, his wellness company, and he even let me in on a few secrets on how we can all be just a little bit healthier. Disclaimer, I've been remarkably plant-based, save for the occasional late night chicken sandwich, since our conversation. It was that powerful. So let's get into it. Thank you for, Marley, thank you for being on the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. We appreciate it. Um, so you are, would you, are you the founder of the Produce Section Challenge? Yeah. <laughs> I walked into that uh, Produce Section that day, and that was the beginning. I started it actually in the beginning of November 2017, so we're going on. Okay. Two years coming up next month. Take me through why. Like, why was this something that you wanted to do and kind of your, your history with eating healthily? The protosection challenge is really important to me because I've seen kind of in real life circumstances people going through some really hard times with their health and it was a kind of a collection of moments that caused me to start this because I know it's kind of well what was he doing you know uh, late 20s walks into a grocery store decides he's only going to eat produce what right. made him you know make this change drastic change a huge shift um, and want this to be his life's mission, his life's purpose, and his passion. And it was seeing like good, conscious people um, making decisions that they thought were right or making decisions that they thought they were helping someone when in fact they were actually hurting themselves. And I realized there's this massive lack of education when it comes to food. We've gone so far away from real food that I call it, I say this all the time, the convenient inconvenience. We've made it very convenient to get food, but the, the food that is convenient is inconvenience because we get all these really terrible diseases that are at all-time highs. All yeah. of these, you know, mortality rate from what we eat is higher than it's ever been in the course of history. So when, when we're in 2019, we have technology like we've never seen before. Yeah. Um, we have medical equipment like we've never seen before. We have the ability to communicate across the world in a matter of a second. And yet we still have all these diseases increasing based on our food supply. So I guess really quickly to answer your question, it was a collection of moments. Uh, the first moment was uh, probably the most important moment for me was I was visiting a friend. She was in the hospital. I was on the way to the airport, actually, and she had called me. She had just had her appendix um, removed. She had appendicitis. It burst the night before. She's sitting in the hospital. I'm, I got about four hours to my flight, so I go and I stop at this hospital, and I get there, and I haven't been to a hospital in a really long time. I, I honestly can't remember the last time I was at the hospital, maybe maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, I was at a hospital. So it's been a long time since I've been in a hospital. I'm not advocating that you don't go to hospitals. <laughs> go get routine checkups, take care of yourself, right. get your blood work done, prevent your diseases before they happen. But I just so happen to haven't been to a hospital in a long time. So I'm in this hospital. One thing I noticed that I'd never seen before is these massive 
cardiac wings. Like the majority of a hospital now is a cardiac unit. And it makes sense now knowing what I know now, but at that time I didn't realize that heart disease was the number one cause of death, that their strokes, you know, was number four, number five, it's close up there. You know, you got heart yeah. disease, cancer, strokes, um, diabetes, all these sorts of things that are just absolutely destroying the, the nation's health. So I'm walking through the cardiac wing, this massive, brand new, donated from someone who's a philanthropist, yeah. um, cardiac wing, and I'm walking through the, the corridor and I get into an elevator and I'm going up to go across a wing to get to the smaller area where she was being held for her, you know, appendicitis. And I'm in this elevator and I've got a pint of ice cream because she asked for ice cream. She said, whatever you do, bring me ice cream. And going against my own self-interest being a vegan, uh, I walked into a gas station on the run to the airport and grabbed a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I get in this elevator and I'm holding this pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And the woman sitting next, standing next to me who walks into the elevator, who is a heavy set woman, um, was very, very large. And she walks in and she's holding two McDonald's uh, McFlurries. And and so I'm holding ice cream. She's holding ice cream in a different form, but still ice cream. And we're sitting in this elevator and the door's closed and it's going up. And she goes, oh, it looks like we're both thinking alike. Like great minds think alike. We both got this ice cream. She's like, who are you here visiting? You know, so we're both smiling, laughing. She's such a nice woman. Um, and and I say, I'm, I'm here visiting... You know, my friend, she had her appendix burst. She's got appendicitis. I say, who, who are you visiting? And she's like, oh, well, I brought one of these for my friend who just had a stroke, and then one of them was for me. Um, so she's like, yeah, my friend had a, had a stroke, and and she's here recovering, and she's going to spend the night. So I came to spend some time with her, and she had an M&M and an Oreo McFlurry. I'll never forget them. <laughs> not that it makes any great choices, by the way. No, do not eat them. Do not eat them, seriously. Um, so she's got an M&M and, and an Oreo McFlurry, and she's such a nice lady. And she's, like, smiling. She initiated the conversation with me, was so pleasant, yeah. was so kind, was excited about the fact that we were both bringing ice cream to our friends, one for a stroke, one for appendicitis. Now, I don't know if the ice cream caused appendicitis or not, but I do know that that there's definitely negative side effects to eating ice cream when you have a stroke so she gets off the elevator and doors close i go up the next floor i go over the uh to her room i give her the ice cream she says she laughs she's the nurse is this okay and the nurse says of course you have your ice cream i won't look and i'm like thinking no one cares about food here and we're in the hospital so i get on the plane i go and uh I fly to New York. Um, the day I get back, I get off the plane. I go drive to the grocery store. I go to the produce section. I say, I'm changing. I'm making a change. Not for myself, but for hopefully, not just for myself, but hopefully I'm going to share this with everyone and people will start to see what I saw and say, wow, we need to make a massive shift and a massive change to the way we perceive food because we think we're doing something good when in fact we're actually causing so much harm. And I had done so much research on that plane and so much research when I was at was in New York and then I got back and I went right to the produce section. I said, I'm going to do this because... There's really good people that are really sick and they're struggling. These aren't people that are rich. These aren't people that have a lot. These are people that are just really, really... Like this lady was so freaking bubbly and so nice. And to think that, you know, there are problems with being overweight too. And not to say that you should judge anyone or or be mean to anyone or belittle anyone. But there's health side effects. Like the studies are overwhelmingly saying that. So... You know, and and you, anyway, that that's what yeah. occurred. I saw it, and uh, it was it was it just hit me. It was a moment that kind of just uh-huh will moment. stick with me forever. Yeah, I can see that as clear as it was that day. Yeah, and it's been 
almost two years and I still remember exactly what she looks like. I still remember exactly what the elevator looks like because yeah, that was my aha, my epiphany. It was a moment that I realized that a lot of good people are in a lot of harm. And, mm-hmm. and I think that there's, first of all, I don't even think like McFlurries have like dairy in them. It's like some weird like... <laughs> I know they have sugar in them. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, actually, and sugar, I heard that is like one of like the biggest like factors that like of aging which so if like if you're vain like i can be or we all can be like you know it can give you wrinkles <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but yeah so but you've been vegan for a while like how long have you been vegan so i've been vegetarian my entire life okay uh, so i've never eaten meat fish um but i have had dairy uh-huh. so i've been vegan for probably around four years now okay vegetarian my whole life and if anyone's watching or listening and they're and they're saying, well, what's the difference between vegan and vegetarian? Vegetarian means that there's like lacto-ovo-vegetarian. Essentially, um, you eat cheese, you eat eggs, but you don't eat uh, meat or fish, no flesh. And then vegan is you abstain from all animal products, which means no leather belts, um, no leather shoes, and uh, also, you know, it's a a diet plus more of like a lifestyle and trying not to cause any harm to any living animals. So you you wouldn't eat honey, you wouldn't eat those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the, because I know you, like your mom or your parents, I guess, were um, were obviously, you know, involved in being, in you being a vegetarian. So what was, so were they, were they very conscious about, you know, eating healthily as well? Yeah, so I think my parents were the spark for the fire. And yeah. with saying that, it's kind of was an underlying theme throughout the course of my life that was laying there waiting to come out. And it was the fact that my father was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was two years old. And he had had it even before that, but he was diagnosed at, when I was two years old. He was forced into retirement from a fairly comfortable job at IBM yeah. in tech. And and so my mom had to become the breadwinner. She took over my, my uh, grandfather's hotel, her father's hotel in Montauk. That's how I ended up in Montauk. Um, but so you have my dad with this neurological disease, multiple sclerosis, and it's like a really tough, tough disease. And it it takes time to develop. It doesn't hit you all at once, but it's it's really challenging. So he wanted to do whatever he possibly could for the long term to have, you know, a healthy and happy life. And and it's, it's tricky because they don't know a lot about the disease. There's a lot of things coming out more and more as they do more research. But at that time, they really didn't know much about it. Uh, they knew it was becoming more and more prevalent. But mm-hmm. So he went to a specialist. His name was Dr. Swink. He was in Oregon at the time. So he went there and he met with him. And he was talking about MS and the relationship between what you eat and the impact on the progression of multiple sclerosis. So yeah. so he talked with him. He's one of like the people that they refer back to a lot now. Um, his studies, a lot of people that are plant-based or vegan or, or in this for health-conscious reasons, he was kind of like a mentor for a lot of the doctors that are kind of pushing this philosophy. And so he met with him, and he became one of his patients, and he really advocated more than anything for a low-saturated fat diet, which is like low on you know cheese, low on right. fats, oils, those sorts of things. So my dad removed all of those, and my mom was cooking for him, and then my mom became vegetarian at the same time to support my dad. Sure. And my dad wasn't eating cheese or anything. He became essentially, he was eating fish and then just fruits and vegetables. So yeah. he was like, I guess it would be pescatarian, but he wasn't eating any cheese or dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my dad started to follow that diet. My mom was doing that, and at the same time, she was raising us as 
as vegetarians, not eating any meat or fish. Yeah. So, and then my mom looked into it, found out about the ethical reasons, which I think happens to a lot of people. She realized, hey, well, this food tastes good. <laughs> I feel better. And yeah. uh, I'm not causing any harm. And I'm able to support my husband, who's battling this really tough disease and yeah. going through a time that's really challenging. And so it was kind of a win-win for all of us. But then throughout the course of my life, I kind of watched the progression of my father's disease and his battle with choosing what to eat and what not to eat. You know, if there's a candy or if there was a cookie in the house, it was kind of that choice where we would all... Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, he would go for it. Yeah. And uh, and we would be like, Dad, don't eat it. All the time, I would tell my dad not to eat things. Not in a mean way or a harsh way, but I think it was just no, more yeah. of a, yeah, trying, to, trying to help him we know the power of it yeah and so i think throughout the course of my life i was telling my dad not to eat things and now i tell hundreds of thousands people. of people not to eat things <laughs> i mean this might be a dumb question because you've never like eaten it but do, do you ever feel like you're missing out on like not eating animal protein i never felt like i was missing out on anything right. i think that i think food's important and i think there's actually more flavor in eating fruits and vegetables and that's a whole We'll talk about that, but um, I think it's more flavorful. But I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I think it's something that's perpetuated to us a lot in advertising mm-hmm. and um, in you know just such a commonplace. It's become like a ritual in so many instances. It's cultural in so many circumstances. But I never, ever felt like I was missing out on anything, ever. I mean, right. I feel like I'm gaining more than anything, being yeah. able to have energy, being able to you know, excel in sports when I was younger mm-hmm. and being able to excel, excel academically. I don't think I was ever missing out on anything. I think I was actually gaining everything. And right. I think that's the way I've always thought about it. Um, yeah. So take me through like a typical day of your meal. A, a day in my meals. Well, now, <laughs> now it's uh, fruit in the morning. Okay. Um, first of all, I love fruit. I'm yeah. obsessed with fruit. So, fruit. so fruit in the morning. Sometimes I'll do oatmeal in the morning. I do it maybe once or twice a week. Maybe sometimes once, twice every two weeks. I'm not like a super big oatmeal person, but I do like it. Yeah. Um, and but mainly fruit. Maybe sometimes oatmeal in the morning. Uh, but light. I, a lot of people skip breakfast. Mm-hmm. I don't skip breakfast, but a lot of people do. But I keep it light. Yeah. Uh, light, simple. Um, and then I move on. Lunch, I do like a heavier meal. But in heavy, it's more like maybe potatoes, you know, maybe uh, lentils. Yeah. But I do all sorts of crazy recipes. I mean, I've made all sorts of stuff that tastes so good, like potato lasagna Ooh. or buffalo cauliflower uh, guacamole tacos. Um, that's <laughs> really good. Yeah. So I don't. You only really have to be creative. You have yeah. to because if you you know you're obviously your ingredients are more limited, so you have yeah. to get kind of. Yeah, they're limited and they're not limited. When I thought about it, when I first originally went in there, I thought it was going to be more limiting than it was. Yeah. Because when now when I look back on it, I've made over 2,000 recipes from only the produce section, 2,000 unique different recipes. That's so, impressive. I don't think I could find anyone on the street and go up to them and say, you know, have you eaten 2,000 different things over the last two years? I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing they've eaten 10 different things. Of the pizza, pasta, bagel, right. <laughs> you know, French toast. Chicken. Yeah, chicken, yeah. chicken sandwich, burger, uh, French fries. It's not many things. I mean, I could probably name them all on two hands. Mm-hmm. And now I've made 10,000 different all taste different, all unique flavors. Yeah. So it's so unlimiting um, rather than limiting. But so the course of the day, so that lunch is that's a heavier meal. Okay. A little bit heavier meal, it'll give you a little bit more energy. So, you know, it's maybe Pasta. some rice. I don't, so I don't eat any whole, I eat whole grains, but I don't eat any wheat flour. Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons, it's just slower to digest. Sure. Um, 
in our bodies that aren't like perfectly yeah. made to eat it a lot of times. The number one, okay, the number one reason when I went into this, I'll, I'll say, I don't know if everyone knows this, but the number one reason why I removed refined flours from the pro section challenge when I started it, one is not, doesn't exist in the pro section. Two <laughs> is that's the simplest, simplest explanation. You right. can't find flour in the produce section. It's yeah. a whole other department. It's the baking section. Right. It's not in the produce section. But, but, the, but I had a, thought, a longer thought before I started this about moving flour. It was the fact that we use flour so often yeah. in everything we eat. And I really do believe it's one of the contributors to the obesity epidemic because you take flour and you dunk it in oil and you get donuts. Right. <laughs> you take flour and you dump it in a mixing bowl with sugar and you get cake. Right. So all of these things that are really quite terrible for us, have almost no nutritional benefit, mm-hmm. are centered around flour. And so right. I don't think there's any place for flour in a diet, honestly. It becomes more refined, um, so it, goes in, it secretes into your bloodstream quicker. Mm. Um, it's also slower to digest. Uh, and uh, it isn't broken down as easily in your body. So yeah. I think the best thing is eat whole foods, fruits and vegetables. It's close. If you blend them, chop them, that's fine. Use the whole thing. Don't juice them. Um, Why? Why not? Because oh. juicing, then again, you're removing the fiber. You're oh, removing right, the, right, right. A lot of the antioxidants, and you're just leaving yourself with water that has sugar in it. Better sugar. Much, much better sugar. Much sugar. Not going to increase your blood uh, glucose levels, sugar. But still... Sugar, nonetheless, yeah. you're still removing a lot of what the good stuff is. Sure. You don't see, you know, lions. Oh, I guess lions don't eat a lot of it, but you don't see the monkeys walking around grabbing an apple and being like, oh, let me juice it really quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's eating the whole apple and it's eating the whole banana. Is there a, and then like for dinner, what about your dinner? So, dinner, I, I almost always eat a salad. I mean, I'm obsessed with salads. I don't see why people think about salads in a negative way. Yeah. You just haven't had the right dressing for <laughs> eating a good salad. Uh, so yeah. I almost always eat salads, but I change it up drastically all the time. But that's like ninety percent of the time when I had. Would one. would you is is there a difference between like cooking like in, like sautéing uh you know broccoli or like eating it raw like is do would you advise one or the other? I think if you cook it in water, there's not a drastic difference. I think there's more nutrients in it if you could eat it raw. Yeah, but. I don't think it's a drastic difference. I think okay. if you boil it, it's a drastic difference. I think if you fry it in oil, it's a drastic difference. Yeah. But if you just eat it cooked or sauteed, it's it's very minimal. Yeah. Um, and if people, I think when you go organic versus non-organic, and you go you know cooked versus raw, I think what you need to think about more so than thinking about these little changes that won't make that much of a difference. You mm. think about real versus non-real. Yeah. Process versus unprocessed. Sure. I think that's the big change that you'll see the big benefits. Yeah. Um, so if you take someone, because people are like, oh, it's GMO now. A GMO apple is 10 times better than for you than a Hot Pocket. <laughs> and right. I see people walk up to me in the grocery store. So I've been to the grocery store every single day for the last two years. So I've met a million people. <laughs> and I've seen people come up to me and ask me millions of questions. People that are either fans or follow me or or just intrigued by why I have a basket full of only fruits and vegetables. Right. And so they'll come to me and they'll be like, uh, but aren't you worried about GMO? What about the pesticides? And their cart has like a DiGiorno pizza and 7-Up and Snickers bars. And I'm not going to judge them. But I'm, but you start to quickly realize that it's like, I would say, the I call it like weapons of mass confusion. <laughs> if, you can, if you continuously confuse the public and try to make them think that good things for them are actually bad for them, then right. it's, there's two things that happen. One is that you enable bad habits. 
I could go and make cakes every single day and have 10 times the followers and make 10 times the money. Right. But that's because I'm enabling bad habits. Of course, if I came out with a study that said donuts actually reduce the risk of cancer, it's a complete lie. Right. But people are going to get excited about it. It means that their donut that they just ate from Dunkin' Donuts that morning, maybe they are running on it. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Nobody runs on Dunkin'. That's absolutely insane. So, so a lot of it is kind of like reframing, you know, because... Um, because I think a lot of people think, oh, organic equals expensive or, you know, and, and I think largely your mission is to say, like, you don't have to spend a ton of money to be healthy or to eat, you know. So what would you say to people who who are met with, like, oh, you know, I'll just grab this, like, fast, you know, $2 Hot Pocket versus, you know, like, what would you say to someone where it's like you don't have to spend a lot of money to... Yeah, well, I think the first thing you have to do is... And this is true, I think, in everything in life, not just in food, mm-hmm. is you have to look at things on in an individual basis rather than grouping. Because if you group like a section of society and you say they're all terrible, that's not true. There's great people. Yeah. It's a, that's a generalization. But when you say that about eating healthy, you say, oh, eating healthy is so expensive. It's also not true. In some instances, it is. In some instances, it's not. So like the, the, the parts are much more affordable than the sum of the parts. So if you just buy like... If you buy a Hot Pocket, it's still always going to be more expensive than buying the individual ingredients because sure. they had to assemble those parts and that costs money. So so when you think about that, like when you go to a fancy restaurant and someone's assembling it for you, yeah, it's more expensive. But if you go buy those raw materials, which is the fruits, the vegetables, in the produce section, it's always going to be way more affordable. You yeah. can buy a bundle of kale for 99 cents that's organic right now at the produce section anywhere in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. One of the most expensive cities, 99 cents for a bushel of kale, which would make you like four or five salads. Yeah. So... It's really, really, really inexpensive to eat from the produce section if you buy it and you chop it and you eat it. Because you you're have to buying, make it. yeah, you're buying the parts. Right now, it's even that you can even see the drastic difference between a salad kit versus buying the apple and buying the lettuce. The right. salad kit's like five bucks. Yeah, you buy the lettuce and the apple, it's like two dollars. So even that, even if you get pre-chopped, pre-washed lettuce versus a bundle of lettuce. It's much more expensive. So I think you just have to be, you have to buy it in its whole form. So mm-hmm. if you buy like a, a whole head of romaine lettuce, it's $1.29 at the grocery store. I know every single price. I was going to say, you're so good at these prices. I, I literally know every single thing in Los Angeles, which is similar. Almost everywhere in the world has almost the same prices in produce. Yeah. But if you go, and I can say that because I've gone to produce sections almost everywhere in the world now. But if you go to, you know, a grocery store right now in Los Angeles, you buy romaine, it's going to be like $1.29, probably at the most $1.49. And you take that romaine lettuce and you look at the chopped and washed lettuce, it's going to be, I think it was two ninety nine, maybe the cheapest I saw it at $1.99. Yeah. So either way, it's more expensive. Right. And so I think you have to look at an individual basis. If you buy real fruits and vegetables, it's going to be drastically more affordable than anything you can buy in the rest of the grocery store. Yeah. Anything. Like even with buy one, get one freeze, even with all those other things going on in grocery stores, coupons and sales, discounts and yeah. sales and it's still always drastically more affordable to eat fruits and vegetables. But but the thing is that people haven't been thinking about it like that. They're thinking, oh, that salad shop is $14 for a salad. It's so expensive to eat healthy. And they're right. Yeah. That salad shop is way overpriced. And that's a, the law of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. There's not that many healthy restaurants. So they, they can, charge, can charge a lot more because right. the demand has increased drastically, especially in Los Angeles. The demand for healthy food is high in Los Angeles. The supply of healthy food is low. Right. So they have the ability to charge these outrageous, outrageous prices. But if you go to the produce section, it's kind of an equalizer because now it's just like 
farm to produce section, it's yeah. it's pretty affordable. So you can get stuff really cheap. Yeah. So you're offering you offer meal plans. So for people who are daunted by like, how do I make you know f- you know even a week's worth of recipes with you know five ingredients or whatever? Like you kind of like you offer meal plans and like how to like you know you give people recipes for what to make. Yeah, and I just came out with an app, Produce Section Challenge. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> Google Play Store and Apple App Store. Just search Produce Section Challenge. That's really cool. Yeah. So that that came out of the meal plan. Everything in the Produce Section Challenge was not planned. The only thing that I planned was I was going to go to that Produce Section that day, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to stop going until I die, hopefully 100 <laughs> years from now. Uh, other than that, I thought like I thought some things out, like the flour thing I told you. I thought yeah. out oil. Right. How am I going to get people to get results no matter what and get results fast? So that they keep doing this, they believe in this, and that it spreads. I did think about that. I thought, eh, you know, potatoes are super healthy if you bake them and you eat them. Potatoes are super unhealthy if you dunk them and you fry them. Right. If they're starch, they're gonna soak up all that oil, and now they go from you know two hundred calories for French fries to five hundred eighty calories for French fries. So you don't eat oil at all. I don't eat any oil. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So and you are baking your potatoes. I would say. Yeah, baking, air frying. Okay. Yeah, chopping, throwing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, baking, air frying, baking, air frying. Air frying, I forgot about that. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Just taking a break from that. So now you've, you've created this successful business where you're, you're bettering people's lives largely through, through food. Um, but so kind of just rewinding a little bit. So you were raised in Montauk. And, um, and so... Uh, so tell me about like your your childhood, like living living out east in the, in the Hamptons in Montauk. Well, it's an interesting place to grow up because yeah. for three months out of the year, it's absolutely insane, insane, yeah. and for nine months out of the year, it's quiet and peaceful and relaxing and sometimes too quiet. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a beautiful place, and I think it it builds a lot of character. It's got that small town feel to it which is great because it's got a strong community mm-hmm. and uh it's got the beach it's got the ocean it's got the bay it's got a lot of nature and a lot of it's just, you really feel connected to the world out there yeah and i think that's really important and that quiet does allow you know a lot of time to think and a lot of time to become aware of yourself and sure. and and uh, so I love Montauk it's always an important place to be it's also really great in the summer because you get to meet so many people from all over the world um, and from Manhattan obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> but you get these people from all over from France Australia the Jamaicans the Dominicans the Colombians the yeah. Irish you got a little bit of everything <laughs> coming out there so it's really this ability to get a really diverse it is. I never thought um, about that but it is You're, yeah yeah diverse upbringing nice. and you get to kind of taste some of their cuisines, taste some of their uh, foods that are from their mm-hmm. their cultures, and you get to see kind of the way they live and the way they work and and the way they socialize and yeah. you know, what it means to be, you know, in our country. And, and, and also you get to see some people that are, like, very wealthy come out there in the summer, and you get to see what that's like. And so you get to see a lot of different things. You get to observe a lot, and you get to meet a lot of people in a very short period of time. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it's great, I think. I always have an affinity for the beach and the ocean. I think it's calm, it's peaceful. I think of it as something bigger than me. Yeah. And it shows you the magnitude of of what's out there. And because sometimes we'll get lost in like the, the littlest of things, which may be important to each individual person, but in the wider, grander scheme of things, aren't really that important. And uh, it kind of checks you, keeps you, you know, in keeps place. You grounded. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you've been working in business for a while because your mom is 
Helen Ficklebora, right? Yeah. The jewelry dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> and you start, you worked for her for a little bit, or right? So what was your kind of role in, in that business? Yeah, so my mom started Helen Ficklebora. She worked so hard to launch that business. Um, I got to see more than anything, I guess it's a spark before the fire again. I got to see mm-hmm. what it takes in order to be successful, the commitment it takes, the yeah. hard work it takes, the ups and downs you go through. Yeah. And that it's my mom always says a ten year overnight success story. A lot of people <laughs> see the finish line but they don't see the race. Yeah. And that's kind of what I saw with my mom. She did it while raising us, plus running a motel, taking care of my father while I was getting more and more sick, and running from a kitchen table and uh it's incredible. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what else to say. The yeah. odds of that, I think, I think she's you know more successful than ninety nine percent of other women, and she was taking care and still take care takes care of a, a father who's a husband that's disabled, yeah. and uh, and was able to. I mean, it's just incredible. incredible. Yeah. Started with pretty much no money. Um, most people get investors or have some sort of wealth behind her. She had right. nothing. You know, my dad didn't even get you know any sort of money from. IBM, yeah. uh, they they litigated, but it didn't end up being favorable. The outcome was, mm. you know, tossed out in court. So we had no money, two kids. Yeah, uh, my mom was going to be a stay at home mom. Now she's a full time, you know, running a hotel, right. my grandfather's hotel, in order to keep us. Afloat. Which hotel was it? The Breakers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so it was incredible. I mean, what yeah. what she did to launch Helen Figueroa and make it a big brand uh was amazing and it's still an everyday you know journey but i've helped her a lot on the tech side Mm. so i helped her with her website launched that like six years ago for her yeah um i launched all of her digital media all of her social uh campaigns all of her advertising you ever see helen piccolo ad i made those or or was behind all that so i brought her up in i've kind of pushed her forward into the the new the new age the digital age age. (laughs) and it was really successful for that's helped yeah. a lot, and but it's still changing so quickly everything. But right. but yeah, she's definitely a role model in that sense. My brother and I opened a company called Wampum, right, which is a skate and surf uh, clothing company, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of based around our passions again of growing up skateboarding. My brother's really more passionate about it than I am, to be honest. Um, but it, that was a cool learning experience as well. I think it's all been experiences. Yeah, and, uh, that has led you kind of to where you are now. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm much much more aware of what to do and what not to do i don't think it's perfect <laughs> it's right. hard it's hard it's cha- everything's just changing so fast but I, i'm much more keen on what works and what doesn't work and um yeah much more knowledgeable and have a lot more skills in my toolbox right in order to build something that's successful and uh it helps yeah um and then so what made you want to move from the hamptons to hollywood I think winter. I think it's the number one. <laughs> I think if you want an honest opinion. I know. Uh, I think winter. Montauk is, winters are can be rough. Montauk winters are cold. Montauk winters are quiet, and uh, they're tough. You know, yeah, I think that's the best word for it. Tough. It'll. Uh, you know, you see a car. You put a car out in Montauk. You leave it there all year. It'll become you know rust a rust bucket because yeah. that salt wears on you and it yeah. wears on. It wears on everything. It gets cold. It gets salty. It gets. It's yeah. kind of a euphemism for how yeah what it can do to you know, everything there, yeah. you know. Um, and yeah, how long have you been here? So I've been here, I think about five years now. I've been paying attention to kind of like brands lately and kind of like in business and why they're successful. And I think a lot of it has some, it has to do with relatability and you know, like why, like when people like influencers, for example, and they are posting their, like their daily lives, like it really brings in 
a followership because they're getting to know the person behind the brand. So I think that it's really cool that you were kind of the face of the produce, the produce section challenge and like you're taking people on a journey and you're creating the recipes and you're curating all the meal plans. You know, I think that is really cool. How is that? Um, do you find, do you feel, do you find it to be like a lot of pressure to kind of do all of that? I feel like it's a lot of work, <laughs> but that's true with anything. Like, so last night I was up till, uh, 5.42 AM working and then I woke up at 7 AM. So it's a lot of work. Jeez. Um, but I think the relatability, that was kind of one of the keys of it as well is that like, I'm not a five-star chef. Mm-hmm. I'm not culinary trained. And I think that's better. I think it's great if you are, but to be not is more relatable. Yeah. And I want this to be relatable. I don't right. want there to be any reason that someone can give an excuse. So yeah. that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to break down those barriers and say, look, the only person in your way is yourself of getting healthier and living a happier life. It's not too expensive. I've shown you it's way more affordable. It's the opposite of expensive. It's actually you save money. Yeah. And so that comes back to the relatability too. It's if they see someone, even if I look like their son or their grandson, or I look like their husband, or I look like them yeah. themselves, um, it's more relatable. I'm not, you know, I'm like pretty straight down the middle with a lot of things, and mm-hmm. that helps with people kind of connect sure. from all sides and all different areas. Um, and yeah. I think that's been a big part of it because this isn't about helping one person or helping one group. I don't want that. Like. I don't care what your political stance is. I don't care if you're vegan or you're not vegan. I don't care if you're 90 or you're 10. What I care about is that you have an opportunity at least to see what this can do for you and that maybe this was out there the whole time, but we just didn't know it. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give people a chance, a shot, and figure it out before it's too late because I've seen a lot of people go down the road where it is too late. And so I just want people to see that there really is so much power behind this and that there is no slant, there is no angle. I'm not trying to influence you for this reason or influence you for that reason. It's really just to give you a chance. And then you have a podcast, we were just talking about it, but you have a podcast called, what was it? How I Lost It. How I Lost It. And so it's focusing on wellness and you interview people, right, that are, that have, that you say it what it's about so I, so I interview people yeah, yeah. So, I mean it's kind of self-explanatory it's how I lost it how right. how what it, so what it is is it's the journeys of people that have lost a lot of weight and so I chose that because I think one it's a story of an underdog mm-hmm. and it's a little different than what I'm used to which is business like I'm doing business all the time right so that's an underdog story too like my mom's an underdog yeah you know a woman entrepreneur with no money, right. two kids, and a sick husband. That's an underdog. Right. Um, totally. And so I think when you look at that, that's a great way of looking at underdog. But then now looking at a health standpoint, someone who is 350 pounds, you know, struggling with obesity, on diabetes medication, um, has really bad habits, that's an underdog to try to beat the system and figure out how to eat fruits and vegetables, how to beat cravings, how to beat addiction to food and lose all that weight and deal with the journey that it's going to go through. You're going to go through pressure from peers. Mm -hmm. That's not negative. That's negative. Honestly, there'll be people that are positive as well along your journey, but there'll be people that say, Oh, you're not eating enough. Even when you're battling these diseases and you're just clearly trying to better yourself so it's an underdog story and it's a journey that doesn't happen overnight a lot of people want to lose weight immediately and Mm -hmm. there's maybe surgeries that you can do that with but it's a it's a habitual change 
it's a learning experience. It's taking chances, taking risks on yourself. And so I wanted to do how I lost it. So I knew that they lost this much weight. They must have gone through a lot yeah. to get there. And I want to hear what it was like. What were they eating? How were they raised? What were their habits? How did they start? What was that aha moment? What was that epiphany that made them make this drastic shift from something that had been culminating over the course of 10, 20, maybe 40 yeah. years? And so, you're telling stories. And I think yeah. everyone likes to hear about, you know, and it's inspiring for people who think that they maybe can't do it to hear that people it is possible you know yeah, it's relatable these people are from iowa to texas to kansas to mississippi to they're all over the place it doesn't yeah. matter where you're from who you are you know yeah they're you know latino they're american i mean they're caucasian and they're right. african-american it doesn't it doesn't make a difference right. everyone battles these battles and so i think there's some sort of relatability to that and mm-hmm. this is just everyday good people like the person that I saw in the elevator. I think I'm, yeah. I'm fighting for that person. And uh, I think that's kind of from day one, I've been fighting for that person. So that's kind of how I lost it was about that. It was, I want to hear these people that were in that same situation that won. Yeah. And uh, and so for anyone, yeah. So they, I mean, it's producesectionchallenge.com. Yeah, producesectionchallenge.com or the app obviously has, has everything on it as well. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, you can, you can download the app and sign up for, and get meal plans and everything yeah, and meal plans recipes podcasts videos cool you can have tons of fun <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for being on yeah it's great to be on this and i think you know it's awesome to see the differences between hollywood and the hamptons they're similar in a lot of ways and they're yeah. super different in yeah. a lot of ways so <laughs>